Facebook Live viewers. Happy to have you joining us on this unseasonably warm but beautiful post-Super Bowl Monday. Congratulations to all the Chiefs fans out there. And Tim Judge, GreenwichLocal.com, behind the camera. Thank you. Happy to have you on air with us today. So I'm joined on the line by a wonderful guest, Dr. Erica Kraus, a physician with Glenville Medical Concierge right over the line in Glenville, Connecticut. I have them on the show often because I'm a huge proponent of the concierge model of medicine. And in full disclosure, Dr. Kraus is my primary care physician, and I can firsthand attest to the difference one-on-one attentive medical care can provide. So good morning, Dr. Kraus. Are you on the line with us? I am. Good morning, Jen. How are you? I'm okay. Great to have you here. Um, So much I want to cover with you today, but the month of February, we're so focused on the shape of a heart and love and all things red, but this is also the month where female heart health is brought to the spotlight. And I'm sure you would agree that this is often an under-recognized, under-publicized condition that plagues women and is one of the leading causes of uh, female morbidity. Am I correct? You're absolutely correct. In fact, it is the leading cause of morbidity and mortality in not only men, but women as well, killing over 300,000 women per year worldwide. Um, Unfortunately, the incidence is also rising in younger women by about 5% per year since 2010. Wow. That's definitely an issue. Yeah. So, so much that we have to break down, but again, the stigma is usually you just associate a heart attack with a a middle-aged or older man. So we want to really illustrate that this, you know, a heart attack recognizes no gender. Um, It is, it is anyone it's an equal opportunity. It can come to anyone. And there are risk factors involved. So let's start there. Let's start with actually the point that you just illustrated, that studies are showing that this is impacting younger women. What is ascribed to that lowering of the age? Is it environmental factors such as the excess stress that we all carry, foods that we're eating, increased alcohol intake? What are they attributing this to, Dr. Krauss? Yeah, it's, it's actually all of those. And also, I just want to point out that what women actually think, most women think, if you, if you surveyed women and they've done this, most women will say, if you ask them what's the leading cause of death, what are they most worried about, they'll, most of them will say cancer, specifically breast cancer. And obviously, that's uh, an important topic. But the fact that heart disease is so much more deadly and so much more prevalent is, is important for them to know. So the risk factors, the top three would be high blood pressure, okay. smoking, and high cholesterol. Luckily, okay. smoking is going down and not as many people smoke as they used to. But then there are other risk factors and the ones that may be rising are diabetes, diets that are high in refined sugars and processed foods, inactivity more so as people are working more and sitting at desks and obesity is on the rise. So we think that that accounts for the increase in, um, in heart disease in the, in the younger women. So a few, of the, a, a few of the causes that you listed, there are hereditary markers for this. So I think you start with, if you, if you have a predisposition um, or a family history of obesity, of high blood pressure, 
of high cholesterol, of diabetes. It is important that you develop a relationship with the primary care physician and that you are going for annual checkups, correct? Yes. And this is one disease that we know that there's so much that can be done to prevent it. In fact, about 90% of these risk factors are modifiable and the risk of heart disease can really go down. We just have to recognize it. We have to know these risk factors and we have to also look for it. And there are, there are good tests out there now to, to look for it. Um, and, and obviously we have to modify these risk factors. Right. But it all starts with, an, with a commitment to your health, which is, you know, again, going to see that doctor every year for an annual checkup or listening to your body. We had a caller on the morning show right before it ended who, who was describing her own experience when I was discussing your show and just listening to your body when something doesn't feel right, sound right, look right, getting the necessary attention. So Dr. Krauss, what are the main risk factors for heart disease in women and how does that contrast to the risk factors for men? Well, I'd say the main difference is would be the hormonal differences that women go through compared to men. Okay. So, the, what's the first thing is we have we have menstruation. So, interestingly, if you go through, if a woman goes through um, her menarche or the age that she first gets her period, if it's very early, say before age 11, that's a higher risk. As is the late menarche or after age 17. So, super early or super late, both risk factors. Um, there are conditions like some, there's something called polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS, we shorten it. Um, that is associated with often, you know, uh, obesity, high insulin levels, high sugar levels, that increases the risk. Um, infertility too actually increases the risk. We think it may be that they share the same risk factors like high blood pressure and obesity that will raise the risk. Um, also, if women have gestational hypertension, gestational diabetes, um, preeclampsia when they're pregnant, mm -hmm. that can increase the risk short-term and also long-term. Um, Preterm delivery before 37 weeks is an increased risk. So there's a bunch of these things. Breastfeeding luckily lowers the risk. Um, having no children and having over five children increase the risk. And then during menopause, so after that, then there's menopause. And that, that transition period is actually a time of higher risk. And then after menopause, so there is, women are at a lower risk of heart disease before menopause. So there is truth to that. But after menopause, so there's about a 10-year delay. So women are, are, you know, what men may be at a high risk at age 50, women are higher at 60. So it's about 10, men are just about 10 years behind men because of this protection before menopause, which kind of goes away at, around menopause. Um, if women are getting a lot of hot flashes, that could also increase the risk um, of heart disease. It's so and then there's hormones. Yeah. And then hormones, there's the whole question of hormone replacement yeah. and, you know, should women take hormones? And that's been debated. That's been very sort of, you know, discussed for, for years, whether it's good, whether it's bad. And at first, you know, in the eighties and nineties, we thought it was really good. And then there was a big women's health initiative study that the, the results came out in 2002 and it looked like this is really bad and everybody came off their hormones. Now we're sort of looking at that study again and, and, realizing that there were some, you know, some factors in, in the way that the study was done and the, the participants themselves that actually it looks like if you go on hormones 
soon, close to menopause, you know, within five years of menopause, there actually may be some protection there. So, you know, I think what I take away from what you just said is, first of all, most of these things we just would not associate with heart disease, childbirth, delivery, um, the beginning of menstruation. Um, but there, everything is all connected um, and everything kind of opens that door for possibility. Um, there's a strong correlation between the, the whole endocrine system and the risk for heart disease, um, which I don't think is something people would necessarily think of. So it's all food for thought. Um, yeah. Now, you know, so much of this we can't change. As a woman, there are bodily processes that are going to occur that menstruation begins, menstruation ends. So, you know, and there's risk factors inherent in all of that. So if there are, you know, many or most women, you know, they will bear a child, be it one, two, five. So with so many factors based upon occurrences that we have no control over, what becomes the prevention strategies for heart disease? Is it just being mindful that we run these risks and making sure we do proper diet and exercise throughout our lives or lowering alcohol intakes, making sure there's no tobacco use? How do you prevent uh, something when the risk is so inherent? Yeah. So, and I don't think people should, should worry, you know, if they hear, okay, oh, I had, you know, I had some infertility or I had preeclampsia now, you know, I'm at higher risk. It's, it's good to know that there is this higher risk so that you can do what you need to do. And yes, what you, exactly what you mentioned, which is, you know, your lifestyle factors. So, so yes, um, keeping, keeping alcohol to a minimum, which for women, we say, you know, less than nine drinks a week, um, men, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe 10 or so, not much more than that. Um, exercising and not just moving, you know, we talk about that a lot, like get up, move around. That's important, but it's also really important to get your heart rate up, yeah. do some cardio for a period of time, 30 minutes minimum. Um, and strength training is super important because we lose, we know that as you get older, yes. you lose about two for four, two to four percent of muscle mass per year and strength is is important that muscle will you'll be able to move more you'll be able to do activities more um, and that's important for your heart also stress is stress is a huge one so you know we can't always control the stress in our lives through our jobs but if you take breaks from it if you meditate and you just you have these periods of time where you're not always you're, it's, it's more of the the constant high level of stress that's an issue if it's up and down that's a lot better um, and then diet, yes, yeah, staying away from from sugar, from saturated fats and processed food, eating more fish and fiber, high fiber, lots of veggies, um, keeping the weight down, and sleep too. Sleep is super important for um, for stress relief, for recovery, so that we can we can go and function and, and do what we need to do the next day. So, if you're just joining us online or on Facebook um, or on the air. I'm speaking to Dr. Erica Krauss, a physician with Glenville Medical Concierge, and we've been focused on women's heart health and the awareness that we should be carrying as females, uh, knowing that this is one of the leading killers among women, and the association with heart disease doesn't often fall on women, and we really want to get good information out there today to create a mindfulness amongst our female listeners and viewers of what we should be thinking of 
aware of and how we can be altering our lifestyle to lower our risk of heart disease. So weight is a touchy subject, especially for women, Dr. Krauss. Um, but the truth is food out there today is very different. Processed foods, GMOs, obesity rates are higher. Um, and, and again, weight being a sensitive issue for women, this is a reality. Um, so the other side of that is there are so many fad diets that people do, these rapid diets that take the weight down, um, diets or pills that are advertised for weight loss or a certain type of diets where it's all or nothing, you know, all protein, no carbs or all this, none of that. So about weight, food, diet amongst women. Yeah, and you're right. It is a really touchy subject. And, you know, people have felt there's been too much of a focus maybe on on weight itself and the number. And we know that there are different body types and mm -hmm. genetics and so many factors, that, so many things that factor into how how easy it is for one person to lose to gain weight versus another person. And that definitely makes it difficult. And so I, I think not looking so much at a specific number or a body mass index, which is not always so accurate. We're just knowing that there are differences, but but basically keeping your body composition healthy. So not having a lot of, you know, your weight might be high on the scale for, for your, you know, your body mass index may be a little higher than it, you know, should be, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily, you know, not healthy. You may have a lot of muscle mass. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, weekend. muscle certainly, especially if you're strength training, um, you can be yeah. lean and, and you're right. It's not so much important to pay attention to the number, but it's also how you feel. You know, you can be, there are certain women that are much taller and, and there's going to be a weight bearing effect on that. Um, so it, you're right. It's not about a number focus. It's about an overall health focus. Um, yeah. And it's not this, you know, you're right too. we have this propensity today with, with everybody needing to look a certain way. And we could get into how social media fuels that and drives that different conversation. But it, it's not a, from for a vanity perspective. It's really just more for an overall health. Um, and everyone should be doing something regardless of their body type. There are so many ways that you can stay active now. Something as simple as going for a walk, you know, three times a week, Dr. Krauss, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, find something that you like to do. And there's so much access now with, you know, with YouTube and, and, yes, yes. and cable channels and Optimum and Verizon. They all have these, you know, workout programs yeah. that you can easily find, even dancing or whatever you like. Just find something that you like to do and maybe vary it so that you don't get get tired of it. Yeah. And you're right with these with these back to like the diets, Jen, I mean, that's, you know, th there are so many different diets out there. It's like, what am I, people ask me all the time, like, what am I supposed to eat? And what's the right diet? And I think with any of those diets, they sort of work because anytime you restrict anything, you're going to, you're going to lose some weight, you know, just by the fact that you're restricting. But the issue is how long are you going to be able to do that for? Is it something sustainable or, you know, is it just a short-term weight loss, which sometimes is worse than if you didn't lose weight at all, because when True. you lose and then you gain it back and yeah. the yo-yo effect isn't good. But so that's why I think just really watching, I think food trackers are good. You know, there's a lot of apps now where you can you know, keep track of what you're eating, be accountable. Yeah. And, uh, well, and exactly. Just, Awareness and accountability. You're seeing it there. And, and that's how our brains are wired. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, uh, and varied, you know, not eating the same thing all the time, eating different things, but, you know, healthy, eating at, at home more than eating out, cooking right. your own food, having whole foods, real foods, not so much packaged stuff. Yes. Yes. I mean, again, simple, sustainable and attainable lifestyle changes that we can all make. So, Dr. Krauss, um, your opinions regarding medic- preventative medication for heart disease. When we say preventative medication, what are we talking about? Which pills are we talking about? Why would somebody take them? Is it more for genetic predisposition and risk factors? Um, what are your thoughts on taking preventative medication for heart issues? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's definitely very nuanced, and I think it depends on on the person. And I mean, I'm a, like a, as a functional medicine provider, I try to avoid medications when possible. Mm-hmm. But as far as heart disease and seeing the benefits, I mean, if I have a patient, and you know, let's say the patient has some risk factors, maybe they have a family history of heart disease, maybe their cholesterol is high, and I might send them, you know, depending on their age, I may send them for for some kind of a heart. Um, evaluation. I, I use a lot of calcium scores. Those are CAT scans. They're low-dose CAT scan. They can look at the heart. You're in the machine for you know a few minutes, and it gives us um, a, a reading of the calcifications in the heart. And we know that calcifications are sort of a proxy for for heart disease, they show us, you know, you, we want zero. We don't want to have any calcifications, but you could have zero to really any number. So, and then we look at their age, you know, if they're 80 years old, we're expected to have some calcifications. If they're 40 or 50, we want to see that as a zero. So let's say we do a calcium score on someone and they have some calcifications, even if it's just five, but it's something above zero. You know, then I then we need to talk about medication. I, I use supplements too, and I think there's some really good stuff supplements out there. Uh, fish oils have been studied and and have a lowering effect um, on you know the risk of, of events, heart disease, omega-3 fish oils. I also often use aged garlic, which um, okay. can be very beneficial. And now there's a growing body of evidence that vitamins, something called vitamin K2, is helpful in preventing calcifications and reducing the art- arterial stiffness, so how stiff your vessels are. Okay. Um, I, I will use the statins too, which are the medications. So that's like Lipitor and, and Crestor and all of those. And the studies, you know, really show a benefit. Um, so if the cholesterol is high, if their calcium score is high, I think it's important to start the statins too. And, and starting at a, you know, at, at a younger age, you know, if, if you're seeing risk factors, starting at 40, not waiting till they're 70 or 80, because we know that heart disease is a continuum and it starts early and you right. want to catch it before it really starts to take off earlier, the better. So looking forward, I mean, do you see anything new on the horizon? I mean, is it, you know, I, and I know we get into a very gray area talking to about insurance covering testing or, or testing that foreshadows, but do you see that there will be changes down the road? Are there going to be standard tests that a woman would endure as part of the normal course of an annual physical? Um, are there, you know, new supplements or, or new treatments that are going to be coming out um, in effort to combat this disease specifically against women, doctor? Yes, there, there are, there are new treatments coming out. There are, um, there are medications 
that we're using, you know, in, in conjunction, either in conjunction with the statins to lower uh, cholesterol more and therefore lower risk more, or sometimes instead of statins. Um, statins are, are generally easy to tolerate. And I say statins, those are the Lipitor and Crestor. So, but women actually have a harder time tolerating them more so than men. Sometimes women will get muscle aches and crampy and, you know, maybe digestive issues. So if they don't toler tolerate them, there are medications called PCSK9 inhibitors, which um, and there's one called Zetia also, and those can work either with the statin or or instead of if they're not tolerating them. And those are a little bit uh, well, the PCSK9 inhibitors are a little bit newer. Um, another, another, you know, where there's something called lipoprotein A. This is a particle within the LDL cholesterol that we see elevated in certain families. This is very genetic. It really has nothing to do with the diet. Um, so, and this has been an issue because when we see this in family, we families, we know that there's this higher risk. Um, it doesn't come down through diet and it doesn't come down through the typical sort of statins. Statins actually don't lower it. Um, there are new medications that are, that are now in like phase two trials. They're called antisense oligonucleotides, and those will lower this lipoprotein A. So it's exciting that there's some hope for people with this um, elevated number. And this is something that people should get checked too. When you get your cholesterol checked, maybe ask your doctor to check your lipoprotein A too, to see if well, lipoprotein A, not A2, uh, to see if you have this this elevation because it is important to know. Even though right now those medications are not out, um, there are other. It's it's important to just lower your overall risk then, and lower your other risk factors that you can lower if you do find that you have this elevation. So I think all of this, uh, you know, really just speaks to the point of having a relationship with a physician, a trusted physician that you have an annual visit with, that they're being comprehensive, that they're going above and beyond to really understand you as a person, understand your lifestyle, understand your risk factors. And they're running the necessary tests, looking for, you know, these somewhat hidden factors as well. And Dr. Krauss, where can listeners and viewers find you personally and, and the other physicians, wonderful physicians in your practice? So I'm in Greenwich, Connecticut, and the practice name is Glenville Medical Concierge Care. And that's actually our, that's our website too, glenvillemedicalconciergecare.com. Um, and that's where you can, you can check out our website and see we have, um, we have five physicians in this practice, all practicing concierge sort of personalized medicine. And, and it's true. Concierge is exactly that. It's personalized medicine. It's an hour and a half visit with your doctor, um, at least, you know, once a year for your physical, um, a blood test, a thorough discussion about findings, um, it's a mindfulness about your health. It's really an ideal way also for preventative care because when you establish that relationship and you have these baselines, you know, your doctor's really able to follow your health journey and uh, adjust if any situations arise down the road. There, there's really a better ability to treat that. I can't say enough about the concierge model. Um, you, you do, you pay for it, but you certainly get more than what you pay for. And Dr. Krause, you moved into this model. Uh, you were with a larger group. So you firsthand see the difference in the care you're able to provide patients, correct? 
Yes. It's like night and day. I, you know, I, for me and for the patients, I mean, just to have all this time to speak with patients, I can't tell you how many times in the course of that hour and a half physical that something has come up that I know would not have come up if I had 10 or 15 minutes with them. That was so important and really changed their care. And, and I was able to make much more of a difference than I would have otherwise. It's so much more rewarding. The patients get so much out of it. Uh, they're happy. We're happy. It's, 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 it works. It really works. So. No, and I, I personally am so grateful for, for having come on board with you guys. Um, and, I, and I see it firsthand. Um, but the overall message today is we as women have to be mindful of heart health. That Yes, there are many terrible diseases that impact us. And, you know, there are some that we tend to think of, of women as, as that we run greater risks for that. But we need to be mindful of discussions of female heart health. And you gave us some wonderful tips today. Um, but I'm sure getting an annual physical is probably among the primary pieces of advice that you'd leave us with today. Correct, doctor? Yes, absolutely. Go get your physical for go, sure. Go get checked out. Well, thank you, Dr. Krauss. Always wonderful to speak to you. Thank you for this wonderful information. And it's glenvillemedicalconciergecare.com, doctor? Yes. Okay. Yes. Check them out today, folks. It'll be, uh, it's worthwhile to visit a trusted physician and to get the proper care. Be mindful of your heart health. And this is Jen Graziano thanking you for taking the time to listen as we took the time to talk. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.